This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Data is power. As long as it's quality data and and if you know what to do with it. When creating an impactful go-to-market strategy, you've got to do your research. But in, but in a time when we're flooded with data and intelligence, it can be hard to parse through the noise, uncover the truth, and understand what insights you ought to be applying to your sales and marketing strategies. So how do you go about conducting research in the right places? understanding which data is the most powerful and applying this new insight to your go-to-market strategy. Chatting up this topic with me today is Maureen West, Director of Product Marketing at Scythel. Maureen, welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for inviting me today. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Who, who is this person that I'm speaking with today? Great. Uh, thanks for having me again. Um, who am I? I am a nerd at heart. I like to know how things work and why they work the way they do. Okay. We're uh, in good company because nerds yeah. unite. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is a great, uh, a great characteristic to have for product marketing, because what I'm supposed to do is understand what the product does and then explain that to people who have no idea what the product is, how it's going to benefit them or why they should even care to upend their entire business day to learn about this product. So that's really uh, you know, what interests me about product marketing um, and why I think that you know, now more than ever, product marketing is required to help people who are not technical experts understand how they can make their business lives easier. So I love that. And also what a tough job because that's <laughs> what you're talking about. That, that bridge between those two worlds ain't that easy to build sometimes. I mean, so, so thank you for the efforts and good luck. <laughs> I hope oh, that thanks. goes well. <laughs> uh, but be, before we get into this conversation a little about the topic at hand, you, you know Sean Broderick. Is that is that right? That's correct. How do you know Sean? Sean uh, invited me on his podcast. Uh, we had known each other from Product Marketing Alliance uh, online. Um, had a couple of conversations. Then he invited me to the podcast, and there we go. So Sean, Sean's a cool dude. And we had him on a couple episodes ago and he said something uh, that I want to unpack a little bit. You said, um, and I quote, PMMs should not conduct their own win-loss interviews. Uh, so, you know, primary intelligence, we do win-loss analysis. That, that's kind of our jam. It's what we do. So, but I, I want to understand from your perspective, wh why do you have that? Why do you carry that paradigm? Yeah, it's, it's, really very simple. Um, when it comes down to time in the day, if you're going to really do a, you know, a program like win loss, any justice, you can't do it once a week. You can't spend 20 minutes. You can't spend a half an hour. You can't spend an hour. You need somebody who is focused on all of your one opportunities and your lost opportunities to get all of that information in a bundle that's going to make a difference and then report out on it. 
if I'm one product marketing manager or even two product marketing managers trying to tackle, I don't know, let's say, let's say you've got 150 opportunities, you send out invites, 50, let's say 50 people respond. I mean, I know that's a huge number, but even if 10 people respond, how are two people going to plan, you know, five hours of, uh, of uh, interviews, then do the analysis, make sure that the data is correct across two different people doing the interview. I mean, there's so many variables. And my, you know, one of the things that I want to do is reduce variability. So if I have a third party do it, I know that one person is asking questions and interpreting the data, um, at least with the same kind of definition as they've started with. And if something needs to change, I can change up the questions during a cycle or focus on it in a new cycle and get all this information that I need in a timely manner. So I need somebody to do the, the, the legwork for me so they can bring the data back and we can do analysis together, make sure I understand what the data is saying that I, and then I'm able to you know, do a readout for my executive team from there. But I really need that extra pair of hands to help me do all the heavy lifting of talking with people, getting that data written down or recorded or tagged or categorized. I mean, that's, that's why I love working with, um, with third parties. Plus removing, uh, you know, that, that barrier, like people don't necessarily want to talk to the company that they just said no to. So when I have a third party and it's a neutral, it's a neutral zone and they feel, you know, more comfortable being able to give real feedback about what was not so good and, and how we can improve. So it's so interesting to hear you talk about this. Uh, we conduct our own uh, win-loss with our own customers and customer experience, and they say almost verbatim what you're saying. Look, I it's not that I can't do the work. It's just that I don't have the time. It's not my core. You know, and so um, I need I need an effortless, a partner that makes the process effortless, that can bring insights to me that are attached back to my current business needs. Do that, we win. And that's kind of the game. It, it's just the lift of the project that that they need help with. So that, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. So let's start at the, I always like to start at the beginning, right? Which it, it might be predictable, but whatever, you know, I'm, I'm a predictable kind of cat. Um, as you're creating a go-to-market strategy and you're trying to conduct research, where should you begin? What are you trying to do? Right. What is the goal of this go to market exercise? Are you launching a new product? Are you doing some kind of competitive overthrow? Uh, what are you trying to do? So you always have to start with that framework in mind. So let's say I'm going to launch a new product because that's something that a lot of people understand. Um, you have to run down, you know, what does this product do? What are the benefits? You have to understand inside and outside what the thing is. So you can understand how to figure out who the technical audience is or who the audience is for this. Let's say, you know, this is a, a feature that is, is, you know, you're already your established product. You've already got product market fits. So you don't have to worry about that. You, uh, but you're an established uh, product and you're um, trying to let people know that this is something new that they should pay attention to. You still have to identify those people, right? Are they current customers? Why should a current customer understand what's happening in your product? Well, they wanna see what innovations you're making 
So you have to connect with them on that on that uh, on that that tenant. And really, that is a realignment of your um, of your value to your customers all the time. So customers, you should always start with your customers. How does this add to value to them? So pick up the phone and call them. Hey, you know, we've got um, we've got some we have a new product that we want you to take a look at. Here's the value proposition. Here's why you should use it. We know that you're doing this today and here's the value add to what you're currently doing. And it should probably, you know, take you 15 minutes to understand how to use this thing. Okay, great. And you get them to use it. People who've never heard of you, when you're going to market with a feature, doesn't matter, right? It's still about the value prop of who you are as a company and why you should do business. So it's really interesting, depending on, you know, the thing that you want to accomplish, you really have to look internally first. How does this add value to my base? And then how can I, uh, can, how can I add value or continue building the story of my brand uh, for prospects who may be, you know, in a buying cycle or who have never heard of us? Uh, so I think those are, you know, that's what I think about in the go-to-market strategy initially. But then you have to think about things like distribution. How are you going to distribute this product? Is it going to be a direct sales play? Is it going to be a PLG play? Or is it going to be a channel play? Or is it going to be all of those things? Does it matter what market you're selling or what segment in the market you're selling to? Is it, you know, is it enterprise? Because enterprise probably is you know going to need a little more white glove service so it's going to take a little bit longer how do you do that so you have to think about all these different parts and pieces um, before you even put pen to paper and i like to think about i like to think about the whole process of go to market uh, before i decide on anything because it, also i have to talk to other people to do this because my brain you know, if I get into my own head, I'm like the most brilliant person in the world, but I really need somebody else to help me understand if I totally feel this, by the way, right, right now, if we are connected. <laughs> yeah. I like other people to say that's not actually going to work. Okay, great. Well, help me think through why it's not going to work and what can we do to make it work? Um, so, you know, I always have a plan a, but as I'm doing plan a, because I've already thought about all the different pieces of how you have to go to market. I've already got plan B and plan C when something goes wrong, not if, but when something goes wrong. So you have to, you have to think about these things um, as I'm, as I'm putting, you know, putting together the plan, but in terms of conducting research, go to your customers, go to your product team. Why did you guys make this? Well, we, it was on the roadmap. Okay. Yeah. Got that. But can you tell me what sparked the uh, creativity behind it? What problem were you trying to solve? Uh, is this a step for the future where, where help me understand to paint the picture, where are we going in the future? So people can say, yes, I want to be part of this, uh, you know, be part of moving forward in the future. And so once you understand that, and, you know, behind the, the practical it's on the roadmap, uh, once you understand the vision and how you're going to, you know, move forward, push the market, that's really, you know, that's part and parcel of the positioning and messaging. I talked to CSMs. Tell me about, um, you know, what happened with the last product release? Uh, how was the feature received by customers? Did they even know about it, right? Did you guys talk about it? Why did you talk about it? Why didn't why did you not talk about it? All those kinds of things. 
So that's really like qualitative data. You know, tell me a thing, all the things about you know, the, the release process or go to market process that works or didn't work. Um, and of course your sellers. Um, sellers will say, oh yeah, 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 we got it, we got it, we're fine. You know, thanks for giving us the slides, we're ready to go. And then you go to Gong and then, you know, you, you see what's happening in the conversations and you realize, yeah, they do have the talk track, but they're talking the same talk track and not, you know, mentioning the, the new uh, benefit or, you know, how you can grow with us as a partner because of this new feature. And I totally get that because they're so comfortable with what they're saying and they, you know, what's worked in the past to close deals should work in the future uh, to close deals. So I think that is, you know, that's something as a change management behavior to overcome uh, as opposed to a, a, res uh, a research uh, behavior uh, that is my responsibility. Um, but I think it's, there are many different areas to, to get the research, but you really need to focus on what is the, what is the goal? Why does then, it exist? Why, why does it exist? Yeah. And then lay out the different possibilities and don't forget about your, your, your partners and channel, right? Your partners are one of your strongest um, distribution methods that you have, and you should be enabling them just like a sales team so that they can feel confident when they bring your product in front of a, a prospect. Okay. So uh, you gave a ton of information, very tactical and practical information, by the way, perfect for our listeners. So starting at the beginning, understanding why it even exists, and then starting to talk with product and others around the why. So really qualitative, a lot of legwork, a lot of conversations. Okay. That's what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. Love this. Okay. So when you're conducting to go, your go-to-market research, what data sources should you be looking at? You've already mentioned people. Are there other data sources that you might want to consider? Yeah. It, you know, even so everyone, every business has problems. They all have yes. problems at every stage of every cycle in their, or every stage of their, their growth. So you have to look at the current business problems. Um, are you having a top of funnel problem? Well, okay. That's easy enough to, 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 to figure out and to solve, but you have to pay attention. You know, what are the signs? Uh, you have low traffic. Uh, and I think that's, that's something that's really low traffic on the website. So I think, you know, that's something that people really need to understand is that symptoms are not the problem. Symptoms are telling you there's a problem and you have to figure out where's the root cause and then solve the root cause so that you can move on to the next problem, which I think is more interesting than just putting a bandaid on it. And then now you've got a big problem waiting for you. So, so tell me why, why is it a problem? Why, why do you have to get to the root? I mean, I could make some pretty good assumptions. Our yeah. listeners do, but spell it out for us. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know why people do this, but okay. I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. Um, we had a, uh, we were moving from the US to uh, another uh, market, to a different currency. And at the time, and this is, I was in learning mode. Um, so my boss, this guy was amazing. Uh, he helped me understand that every time you make a business decision, especially if you're a SaaS company and your goal is growth, you should think of a framework where you can make it um, you know, flexible enough so that you can 
um, future-proof. You don't have to redo the process all the time. So we were going into a new market and we needed a different price book because of currency. Well, because we were going through, you know, one currency, what other currencies did, you know, did we think that we were going to sell to so that his team only had to go in once to make a couple of price books, turn on one, but then we were ready to go for whatever currency we wanted in the future. So while that is a business problem, what that meant was as soon as we were ready to go, when we hit the ground in whatever new region, we already had a price book. We already had an MSA. We had everything done for the market. And this came up because we wanted to sell one new currency, but in fact, we had five new currencies ready to go. Love that. So, okay. Yeah, Perfect that's example. Why solving the problem. That's why solving the problem is, is really required for whatever you want to do. Okay. So um, starting, starting to look at that and coming back, I want to come back to the data sources. So data sources that we should be looking at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So data sources. So look at what's happening in the marketing funnel. Look at what's happening in the sales cycle. Look at what's happening with your customers in their buying journey, right? Mm -hmm. So are you, you know, we have all sorts of AI and intent and predictive analytics helping us, you know, find people who look like they're uh, in a buying motion. Um, you have a pattern already. You know the kinds of deals you're closing. Look at the deals that you've closed in the past to understand the customers that you should be going after right now, because they're, you want to go after lookalikes because that is a higher propensity to sell to, right? You're going to be su successful with somebody who already looks like your current customer. So looking at, um, you know, length of deal, length of the sales cycle, why is it taking that long if we're not a million dollar plus product selling to an enterprise? If we're a, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what a mid- Twenty to fifty thousand dollar software okay. product in in mid market that should take maybe ninety days, one hundred and twenty days. If, I mean, if they're really if they're really picky about their sale or their buying process, you have to look at that. You know what? Where are people getting stuck in the in the sales process, and how can you solve that? Um, so I look at data all over the place: the marketing funnel, the sales funnel, our revenue, a product adoption. I look everywhere for whatever pro problem I'm trying to solve. Do you have a favorite? I mean, no, no mom or dad wants to say which child is their favorite. So I understand putting you in a, in a sticky situation, but I'll, I'm sure they'll understand. Do you have a favorite data source? A favorite data source? Yeah, actually it's Pendo. Pendo is my favorite data source, right? So I, I want to go in and I want to see what customers are using, what customers are not using. And then dig into why something is not being used or dig into why something is being used, right? So I think a lot of people think um, data tells you about problems, but data also tells you about success. And you shouldn't ignore your successes. You should understand your successes as well as you understand your problems so that you can do it again, right? So you want um, SaaS, you know, no big secret, uh, repeatability, is the secret to SaaS success. So you wanna be able to reproduce small successes to add to the overall success of your company. So you just said something that when I'm working as chief of delivery at Primary Intelligence and I'm working with some of our, our top customers, especially when they're new to, to win loss, 
they'll say things, well, I only want to understand why we lose. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, scratch head. Okay. Re- reshift a paradigm. But I want you to, I want to hear your talk tracker and your thinking around this. You, you said you want to understand both why you're winning and why you're losing, but not at the expense of one another. Why is right. it important to understand the winning as well? Well, first of all, let's, let's bring the people back into this. If you're constantly focusing on why you lose, that is a terrible story to tell. And it brings morale down. Like the sellers are like, great, we're not doing, we're not doing defensiveness too. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you got to remember there are people behind um, the conversations and uh, if you're going to be a successful product marketer, you have to tell the, the, the story of how the business is doing so that you can do other things, right? Like that's the whole point. You, you have to understand where you are to continue growing or to change course. So when you focus on why you win, you can say, uh, and this is actual feedback from uh, a win-loss uh, program that I had um, that was very successful. Everyone said, including the customers that we lost. The salesperson was responsive. I felt like they understood me and my business and they helped me understand um, what I needed to do. The sales process was a pleasure. So you, I know, very, very uncommon, very uncommon to hear that. So I'm like, oh, we gotta tell the salespeople because they're gonna be happy. That's a big deal. That's not a small thing, yeah. Is not small. And so I kept reminding the sales team, hey, you guys are doing a really great job. Everyone really appreciates the way that you're selling to them. Here's where we need to focus today. So those kinds of things, you know, everyone likes to have successes um, that's not only ending in a big contract. We need to understand, you know, how are we, how are we getting there? So understanding the wins is so you can capitalize on what your team is doing well. The losses will tell you you know, strategic kinds of things that you can do or tactical things that you can kind of do. But the wins are the ones that really help, uh, you know, the morale of the company, I think. And I think that's huge. So I, I love that. That's that's good advice. Okay. So we've talked about the collecting of the data. You've talked about your favorite data source and you have Im- not implicit, but significant trust in the data sources. But it's trust, but verify, right? Trust, but validate. Let's talk about this validation. Yeah. Um, how can you validate the data that you've collected? You know, what, what do you do? Yeah. So, you know, all of our systems data, that's the quantitative data, but then all of the conversations you have with your customers or your prospects or, you know, anybody is qualitative data. And I don't think, I don't think there is, um, you know, there is any, any one source of, truth anymore, right? So when I was thinking about this um, earlier, you know, um, there's three sides to every story and you can see that in data as well. So there's the the call notes that a seller puts into a system. There's, and that's like, you know, the sales view. And then there's what the customer or the prospect is saying. And then there's what Gong has recorded, right? So you kind of get this three, you get the three truths, right? So I think it's really interesting that now we can say, you know, classics, well, the the prospect didn't want this and the prospect's like, but the seller didn't do this. And then you can see how it all unfolded right in front of you. So I really think it is, it is understanding the problem you're trying to fix or solve for, and then understanding, okay, where do you want to go 
So here's the problem. Where do you want to go? And then how do you, um, who do you need to talk to in order to get more information about how to get where you're going? And so I think that is where, you know, those, those customer conversations, um, and it doesn't always have to be, you know, product marketing, getting on the phone with a customer, you know, badgering them, right? Because they, customers always get hit up for all sorts of things. The CSMs are a goldmine of information. You can ask them, hey, you know, can you just ask this question in the next call that you have with every customer for the next three weeks, right? I just want it. And you don't even have to tell me anything. I've already got a tracker and gong. So anytime this conversation comes up, I will, I will be mining the data. You don't have to do anything. And so, you know, this is, this is uh, another way that you can get the information that you need without being explicit about it. Uh, it this should be happening as part of your work day anyway. You should be having conversations about things that are important to the company and to customers. Um, so I think that's one way CSMs can help. But yeah, I don't know. Just talk to people. What a novel idea. And actually, that's, that's uh, an art that is maybe waning a little bit in, in today's world. So I, I want to unpack a little bit further about the three truths. I really like this idea immediately when you said this, my mind, because I'm a child, I immediately went to the three blind witches, right? Standing around a pot stirring and they all have their own idea around what's, what's reality. Um, of the three blind witches, right? The, what the salesperson says, what the seller or the buyer says, and what Gong says, um, or conversational intelligence in general, do you have one that that you consider better or worse? And if if the morality of good and bad is not the right way to apply here, yeah. if, we, if you know from a philosophical perspective, how do you look at those three different data sources? Yeah, again, I think it goes back to the problem that you're trying to solve, right? If you if you have a problem in your sales process. And you keep hearing, you keep hearing over and over again in win-loss um, interviews. Well, the salesperson didn't understand me, or I, that never came up, or whatever. Well, then you've got a sales problem, sales enablement issue that you need to solve, right? Um, so it's it's. I never look at one instance and say, okay, this is wrong or that's right, but I have to look at trends. So you have to have enough information coming from, you know, whatever source, whatever your sources are in order to, 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 to notice trends, because, you know, the one thing in, in competitive intelligence, uh, I worked at this at one company where they were only focused on, you know, the losses, we just lost this deal to this competitor. And I'm, I'm looking at the, the tally board going, yeah, we just won 14 other deals against this competitor. So this one deal shouldn't matter as much, but it exploded into an issue. And so again, you have to, you have to take a long view of data because in short term, it's a blip. It could be uh, uh, an anomaly or it could be the start of a trend or it could be a like a disaster who knows but there are many different ways to read that you just have to wait for the next one or you know check previous data to see if that popped up earlier too you need trends data needs trends in order to mean anything 
Okay, I love this. So um, we hear so often from customers, well, the data doesn't lie. The data doesn't lie. Ah, no. So our interpretations fail, right? And and to make no mistake, it takes a human to to interpret. We still have to make sense of and decide what we believe about the data. So I, I love that using trend, that becomes more more valid, but still it requires a human to decide what it is. What I'm hearing you say is the lighthouse should be the problem, should be the business issue that you're trying to solve for. And if you use that as the lighthouse on the shore, you'll be able to navigate all of the um, gotchas, if you will, uh, the sirens out there in the in the bay that might be trying to sink your ship. Um, am, I, am I kind of following? Am I, am I missing something? Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right on. Um, you have to be focused on what you're trying to do in order to put the best solution in place. And, uh, you know, I don't think a knee-jerk reaction is a, a best solution. Um, I mean, you could get lucky, uh, but it's usually not the best solution. And taking a more uh, practiced approach to it, um, you'll just, you'll be able to plot a more mm, solid path for the future, right? So now, okay, we've had this problem in the past, uh, you know, I don't know how I got to this problem again. Maybe somebody left and that program fell by the wayside. Um, you know, those are normal things that happen today. So it's not, I, I don't want to say that you're going to, once you solve the problem, the problem's always going to be solved. That's, mm. I mean, I wish, right? That right. Who doesn't wish that? My goodness. Right. So, um, but now you can say, well, we did this in the past because we've documented it hopefully somewhere we've documented the decisions we've made and now we understand you know okay we did we're not doing this part so let's put this part back in and that, let's see if that fixes it before we come up with a brand new solution right so i also think that once you you know if you're focused on the problem and you build a solution to get or to resolve that problem and something changes now you don't have to start from scratch you can just look at your process and say okay I see what changed. Let's change it back and see if it fixes and you know move forward. So I think that's it. Also makes less work when when you put a, a solid process in place. I love this. Okay, so we've talked about um, you know creating you know where to start, starting with the problem, uh, conducting the go to market research. What data sources sources not sources? I don't. I I can English. I promise. Data sources we should be looking at validating the data. Let's talk about socialization because this is another big step that sometimes is, I, frankly, I think this this can be one of the most difficult, requires such, well, I'll save my opinions. I'll let you do the talking. How do you share? How do you socialize this data with others inside of the organization? As a product marketer, I have to have solid relationships with sales, product, and marketing. No and, way around it. There's, yeah, no, there's no way around it. Yeah. And I think, you know, whenever I uh, enter an organization, um, for me, it is, you know, how open are executives to hearing about problems? Um, I tend to feel like the person who's saying the emperor's, you know, not wearing any clothing uh, when I come up with a problem and, you know, I find a problem and talk about it, right? I, if I see a problem, I talk about it because I don't, like having to deal with the problem, especially when it's easy to fix. I mean, that's ridiculous. You're wasting time and money and 
people are getting burned out. So I want to fix the problem as soon as possible. So especially when it's competitive information or win-loss data or product gaps or whatever, or sales problems, like sales problems, those get um, escalated immediately. I don't wait on that, right? Like if, if I hear that a salesperson said something offensive, that gets solved immediately. But if we hear from product gaps like, oh, you know, I want this or I want that or I want this, that's where the trend data comes in. And then I can say, you know, I have readouts. So I have a, a quarterly readout for win-loss uh, uh, data. And I build it based on, you know, here's the, the, the questions that we went after this time. And I socialize that ahead of time. Hey, you know, I noticed that we're having problems in this area. I want to use these questions to drill down and see what's happening so we can, you know, nip it in the bud and figure out what's happening. Then I remind as I'm going into the conversation, hey, you know, we talked about this as the problem we wanted to solve. And these were the questions that we used. And here's what the data is showing us. Here's what we're hearing from our, our customers and our, our lost prospects. And so I just lay it out. And then I show, you know, what data sources that we use. Um, it was enterprise or, or mid-market or it was uh, SMB. Um, you know, the, the sales cycle was this, or we were focusing solely on this sales team. Uh, we focused on this region. I don't know, like whatever, however you, however the interviews were asked, I bring that up. And then I do things like, you know, there were 14 uh, interviews, seven of them we lost to competitors, uh, the other seven that we won, we won. And so here's how it broke down among the, competitor, the competitors. Because it's always important to understand if there's a new competitor coming in and what kind of, um, you know, gravity are they having in terms of um, showing up? So we can talk about that too. But, yeah, like are they an ankle biter or, they, or is yeah. there something to them? They have teeth. Right. Yeah. And again, that's trend behavior as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I go into this getting agreement ahead of time that, hey, I'm going to bring you guys news. I don't know what the news is going to be, but I'm going to bring you news. And I'm also going to bring you recommendations to fix whatever we, we find or a, you know, great, we are, we are on target. Um, but it is up to you, executive team, to make a decision on what recommendation you want to put in place. Because I'll typically I'll bring in two or three recommendations based on you know whatever the thing is. So if there are problems in the three areas of product, marketing, sales, I will bring in two to three recommendations for each area. Um, typically, I don't have that much data to work with. So it's going to, you know, one set of interviews is going to really be focused on one of the three legs of the stool, but I'll bring those recommendations say, okay, which one do you want to, you know, which one do you, what sounds interesting to you? And then I will go into, you know, this is how we could solve it, but really, if this is what you want to, um, to talk about, then we need to have conversations to put this, you know, to make this a project that we all are going to agree on, that we have to get to the goals and then we have to understand who's gonna do it and we have to put a timeline around it. But this is what the outcome could be of this recommendation. So that's how I socialize the data because it's not me bringing the good news or the bad news and then saying, here you go, but okay, here you go. Here's how it shakes out. What do you wanna do about it now? And you know, uh, one of the answers is we don't wanna do anything about it now. Okay, great. 
when do you want to do something about it? Do you think that, you know, is there something going on that I'm not aware of uh, that is going to make this, you know, a moot point? Or is this something that's going to become, you know, more uh, urgent in a period of time? And so you have to have those kinds of conversations and you can't be afraid to ask questions because you have to understand what the you know, strategy of the company is and you wanna help them move forward. Also, sometimes you just have to ex accept that they're willing to take the risk and then move forward. There has been an evolution of leadership's um, relationship with, with data. Historically, it's been, give me data. And then leadership said, no, 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 I don't want data, give me insights. And then now they're saying, no, 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 don't give me insights, just give me recommendations, tell me what to do. In, in essence, that's exactly what you just described is you're not bringing just a data dump back to them. You're not even just bringing, here's a bunch of insights back. What you're saying is product marketing sales, here's recommendations on what to do based on these data sources. And you've contextualized it to give it validation. Mm -hmm. um, and you're employing a framework of storytelling to help them understand the, the setting, the character, the conflict, bringing it all the, you know, the big idea, bringing it all the way to resolution. So I love this framework. Listeners use Maureen's suggestion. This is beautiful. I love this. Okay. So rounding third here, finishing up our conversations, you've been amazing. PS. Thank you for the time. If you had one piece of advice for our listeners on, on where to begin, how to start uh, you know, what advice would you give? Yeah, ask questions. Um, if something doesn't make sense to you, dig into it. Um, ask, if you don't understand how to run a report, learn how to run a report. If you don't understand how the data is structured, learn. Um, data is something that everyone is going to need to understand how to use and leverage. Um, and I think, and also what to ignore. There's plenty of stuff that you need to ignore out there, but you have to understand what do you want to do and then how to get there. And data can tell you lots of things about what's happening in the business. So don't be afraid of data, but also um, don't wait on learning about data. Maureen, thank you. Thanks for being on the show today. This, this was so fun for me. Thank, it's been a delight getting to know you as well. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I could spend hours and days and probably weeks talking about win loss and data and processes. It's a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Like we said at the beginning, nerds unite. Yep. And listeners, for more from our friends at Cytel and from us here at Primary Intelligence, check out the show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. We'll see you next time.